Okay, why don't you guys open up your Bibles tonight to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. If you were here last week, we've been, uh, we've just started a series called The Legit Disciple. Uh, or the True Disciple. But I like the name and the word legit. It's too legit. Too legit to quit. <clears throat> How many want to be a legit disciple? That's awesome. Well, I hope so because uh, that's what we should be. Last week we talked about um, that we talked we talked about this truth that every single person, every Christian, is called to be a disciple. And not just this idea that uh, God is your only mentor or father or, uh, how should I say it, God is your only leader. Um, because a lot of people say things like that. Like, I have my leader and his name is God. And my covering is God and I have no other. Uh, but the Bible tells us in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen through 20, Jesus says, not just some cool person, uh, but the God of the universe who created and sustains all things by his word. Jesus said, Go into all the world and make disciples. But he said this to human beings. He said this to his disciples. And he told these humans to go and make disciples of other humans. And so from the very beginning of the church's foundation, Jesus teaches this principle of person-to-person discipleship. And so last week we proved that every Christian is commanded to be a disciple. And every Christian is commanded to be a disciple. Then we defined what a disciple was. A disciple in the Greek, it simply means one who follows one's teachings. It's a person who follows one's teachings. But I kind of brought more of a, uh, more of a uh, relevant translation for us today. Uh, I, I spoke on it last week as well. But it's, a, it's, it's one who devotes themselves to a Christian of godly character in their manner of life and in their teachings as long as it agrees with the Bible. So when I say that everybody is called to be a disciple, I'm saying that every person is called to devote themselves to a Christian, that's a human being, of godly character, in their manner of life, and in their teachings, as long as it agrees with the Bible. So that means that every person in here, and every person, every person in here, if you weren't here last week, it'll, it'll make more sense. But every person that is here and every Christian that is called of God is called to have somebody that is over them that they are being mentored by. And when I say that word, mentor, many people think of the ruler. We talked about this last week as well, that, that they have this instructor. <clears throat> You're probably wondering, why is it broken? Well, you should have been here last week. I broke it. <clears throat> I broke it over Danielle Crelly's back. The bad thing is she doesn't even remember. <laughs> when we think of the word mentor, we think of this, uh, this idea of somebody who instructs us and who beats us and who whips us into shape. Or we think of somebody who's way older than us. They're like our grandfather and they mentored us. Uh, we, we get this wrong mentality of what mentoring is, what discipleship is. But the New Covenant teaches a discipleship that looks more like Collide Brothers coffee. Claudia Brothers Coffee Cup, that is anointed, that'd be a good shirt. Claudia Brothers Coffee Cup 
uh, represents, uh, actually on the side it says, a catalyst for community. I love it. And that's, that's Kaladi's uh, vision statement, is it's a catalyst for community. And Kaladi's brother, Coffee Cup, represents a relationship, a discipleship that is based out of relationship. It represents uh, a friend-to-friend mentoring relationship. It's not somebody who stands over you and, and does all of this instructing and degrading and critiquing in your life um, because they are your mentor, but it's more of a relational-based mentoring. Does that make sense? And we asked a lot of questions. There were some questions that were asked last week, and at the end of the service uh, tonight, I'm also going to give you an opportunity to ask more questions because uh, I know that there's some things that uh, you're going to be thinking and wanting to ask, and so Every once in a while on Thursday nights, I will give you opportunity to ask questions. So if you have a question during the service, just write it down, and then afterwards you can ask me. Cool? So that was last week. This week, we are um, going into the second part of what it means to be a legit disciple. So first, we've just proved that everybody is called to be a legit disciple, and now we want to define what is a legit disciple. Because if we're all called to be a disciple... Then what does it mean to be legitimately a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple that legitimately is a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple that truly and authentically is a disciple? That is truly and legitimately being mentored by somebody? What does that look like? Well, we're going to look at the life and relationship of the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament Bible, and the life and relationship of Timothy. So the relationship between Paul and Timothy, we're going to be looking at that. We'll look at a little bit of history tonight and their relationship, and we'll look at what a legit disciple is. Amen? Does that sound good? All right, so 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. It says Paul, and we'll talk about who Paul is here eventually. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. He says, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 2 is a key verse of this series. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. You could also translate that. To Timothy, a legit disciple in the faith. And so that's what we'll be looking at. And we want to ask this question, why does Paul call Timothy a legit disciple. Why does he do that? Go to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is the first time that Paul meets Timothy. And Timothy, well, we don't know if it's the first time he meets him. He probably met him a few years earlier on his first missionary journey. But it's another time when Paul comes and talks to Timothy and has some dialogue and some fun times with him, as we'll read here in a few minutes. So who is Paul? Paul was a religious leader in the Jewish culture. He was a teacher of God's word, and uh, he obviously lived during um, a little bit after Jesus' time, right when Jesus, uh, after Jesus was crucified, Paul was a few he was just a little boy, and uh, during that time, uh, well, as the church began to grow, 
Saul was his name. His name was Saul. His name actually is Saul. And that's how he was known in his Jewish community, in his Jewish culture. Saul was his name. And so as Saul uh, grew up and became more prominent in his teaching and leading, uh, he was actually very uh, well known and he was very educated. Very educated, very smart, very brilliant. And um, he was one of the main leaders in the uh, imprisoning and murdering of Christians. The Bible tells us that in Acts chapter 9, that Paul was involved in that. And one day as he was heading to Damascus to go do some more of this imprisoning and murdering of Christians, he has this encounter with God. A real encounter. You can read it tonight when you go home or tomorrow morning. You can read in Acts chapter 9. Paul is riding on a donkey. And as he's riding on this donkey, uh, kind of like the donkey in Shrek. Could you imagine him riding on that little donkey? The little, the little donkey. I'm like, waffles. Uh, this bright light shines out of the heavens, out of the skies, knocks him off his horse, and says, Paul, Paul, or sorry, no, it doesn't say Paul, Paul. It says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Long story short, Jesus finds Saul, who was worst of sinners, killing and imprisoning Christians, and he transforms him into the guy who wrote two-thirds of the Bible that you're holding in your hand. That's incredible. That gives glory to God, doesn't it? Isn't that amazing? So Saul begins to preach and teach and preach Christ from that moment on. From that moment on, he began to preach Christ. Paul or Saul actually eventually, uh, or right away, he started getting discipled and trained in the Word of God and uh, who Christ was and understanding who he was and finding out who Christ was in the Old Testament and learning more about him. And he began planting churches all over the known world, all over the known Mediterranean world, planting. He didn't know that he was actually planting churches, but what he was doing was preaching the gospel. People were getting saved. Churches were being established and built. Okay, so this is some history for you. If you're getting bored, just hang in there for a moment. Saul finally comes to this place in his first missionary journey to a place called Lystra and Derby, which is a couple towns um, not too far away from each other. And there he preaches the gospel. And at that place, a young boy named Timothy, a young man named Timothy and his family get saved. At that time, Paul became, Saul became Paul. His name didn't necessarily change, but when he left ministering to Jews and he began ministering to Greeks, to a Greek culture and to a Roman culture, uh, his name actually translated Paul. So to the Jews, he was Paul. To the Greeks, sorry. To the Jews, he was Saul. And to the Greeks, he was Paul. Does that make sense? So as you read your Bible, you're like, who's this Saul guy? And all of a sudden, now he's Paul. What happened was he became known as Paul when he began to minister to Gentiles, who, in other words, those people who are not Jews. Does that all make sense? Okay. So Saul, who is now Paul, as we find in all of these letters that we find in the New Testament, he calls himself Paul. And so Paul meets Timothy here again in Acts chapter 16. He's on his second missionary journey, and we find here in verse 1 through verse 3, uh, the, the next encounter he has with young Timothy. All right? 
verse 1. It says, Then he came to Derby and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Verse 3, Paul wanted to have him go on with him. Paul wanted him to continue to go on with him in this journey. Paul is traveling around all of the world and preaching and teaching in the gospel of Jesus. And, and as he was doing this, he was looking for somebody that would go with him in this adventure, in this journey. And he comes across Timothy and he says, I want you, Timothy, to come with me. He wants him to go along with him. And so the Bible says he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. He wasn't a baby. If he was a baby, the circumcision part would make more sense to us. But he was, a, he was approximately, they say, arguably 16 years old at this time when Paul realizes <clears throat> something, that he's not circumcised. And he's going to go minister and preach and teach to other Jews. And these Jews won't receive him if he's not circumcised. Paul understood that circumcision was not any way of becoming more righteous before God. But Paul did understand that he knew that we should be and become all things to all men. In other words, that we should do everything we can to relate to every person that we can possibly relate with. And so if he was going to go minister to the Jews, brother, you got to get circumcised. And that's what he was thinking. That was his understanding. So it wasn't you need to get circumcised because you need to become more holy before God. It was you need to become, more, you need to become circumcised because we're going to go minister to Jews, and Jews won't receive from you if you're not circumcised. How did they know if he was or wasn't? Don't ask me. That's weird. I'm sure there's some historical evidence there. but Does this make sense? The history making sense. So Paul says, hey, I like you. Come here. Let me show you something. Pulls him into a back room, and that's where their life journey began. <laughs> so tonight, the title of the message is, The Legit Disciple is Humble. The Legit Disciple is Humble. He said, Gabriel, I want to be the legit disciple. Well, then you want to be humble. Indirectly. Hopefully, you directly do want to be humble. Let's pray tonight. And ask God to speak to us and encourage us by his word. Amen? Amen. Father, tonight we come before you and we thank you, Lord, that you call us Father. And God, we thank you that you've called us to be your children. God, we thank you that you have chosen and adopted us and brought you into your family. God, we love you and we're forever grateful. Holy Spirit, we ask that tonight you would speak to us and encourage us and call us into the place, into the purpose, and into the destiny that you have established for us. God, we thank you that you love us so much, and it's because of that, Lord, that we are here. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And if anything tonight, God, that we ask that you would challenge us to be who we are called to be in you. We want to be legit. We want to be true sons, Lord. We want to be true. 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my greatest joys and privileges, I think, uh, bar none, is having a son. Uh, my son is uh, the funnest and most exciting person thing next to my wife in my life. Nothing compares to waking up in the morning and holding him and him smiling at me and trying to talk. Uh, he talks more than me. Isn't that amazing? A couple of things that I've noticed since uh, he's uh, come into the world is that he is my son. Uh, in one of those ways, he's always trying to talk. And I realized, wow, this guy's got to be my kid. You know, like nobody ever does that. And the other ways is uh, uh, that, I, that I know that he's my wife's son is that he can raise his right eyebrow. Okay? I can't do that. Look at your neighbor right now. Pick a neighbor. Pick, pick one of your neighbors and, and, and just ask him to raise one of their eyebrows. Now, you're just closing one of your eyes. That doesn't work. No, Matt, you're actually doing pretty good. Now, you're trying too hard. You look constipated. Is there anybody that can do it really good? Can you kind of go, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Brayton, that's pretty good, dude. Can you do your other one? Oh, Oh my goodness! Oh shoot! Yes, you can have high five. That was. Can you guys believe she just did that to me? Can you guys really believe that she just did that to me? Who else can do it over here? Go ahead. That's amazing, dude. What about you? That's all right, dude. My son can do better than that. Just messing, man. He seriously, I don't know how he does it, but he, <laughs> that's pretty good, man. My brother can go, like, both of them, like, up and down like this, like, make him dance. And then he can make his ears go in circles. That's weird. No, not like, not like they spin around. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> that would be really weird. <laughs> no, but, like, they, they, he can, like, make him go like this, like, around, okay. I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm being serious. And, and I look at him do that, and I'm, like, jealous because whenever I do it, Ashley and him just laugh at me because I can't, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. That's the whole point. I can't do it. And so did I do it? So what I've learned to do is I can, if you hold this one down, I go like that, you know, it'll work. Uh, I've gotten better. I have. I've actually been trying to learn from my son. He's like, look, come here. Let me show you something. No, I'm just kidding. There's definitely a few ways you can determine if he's my son or not. Uh, one of the best ways is to test his DNA. It's probably the, the best way. Uh, I thought that if I could just, I was like, well, maybe... He's a boy, so he's got to be my son because I'm a boy. And I realized that was stupid. (laughs) It was early when I had this thought. It was early, okay? And Because then I thought, there's a lot of boys in the world. That's not a good logical reason. So 
but I do, I do, uh, I do feel like the best way. I do know that the best way is is to check his his DNA. And when we're talking about this idea of a legit disciple, there are some, there are some, there are some. That should be a new word. There are some distinct and important requirements of a legit disciple. Did you hear what I just said? There are some distinct and important requirements of being a legit disciples. Important, distinct characteristics and qualities of being a disciple. Gabriel, I want to be a legit disciple. Well, there are some very distinct and important attributes, qualities, characteristics of a, of a legit disciple. And as we look at Paul and Timothy and their relationship and why Paul calls him a legit disciple, we will begin to see what those distinct attributes and qualities are that Timothy has that makes him a legit disciple. And if you don't have these qualities and attributes, then you are not, and I am not, a legit disciple. And unless you have these qualities and attributes, then you and I are not a legit disciple. These attributes are of utmost importance because the Word of God lays a foundation for us of what it looks like to be legitimate and to be truly discipled by somebody and mentored. And so you can have your own opinions, but bring those opinions to the Word and go, Lord, is this attribute an attribute that qualifies me because I play video games all the time? Well, I mean, I go to church. That's good. I mean, I read my Bible. That's cool. Well, I talk to my mom. That's a good start. You should do that. It's important. I should. Talk. I haven't called my mom in a while. I should probably call her, actually, thinking about it. Dude, are you even listening, Billy? He points at Reed. <laughs> if Paul calls Timothy a legit disciple, then that must mean that there is an illegitimate disciple, right? Am, am I right? I mean, if there is something that is true, then there must be something that is false. If there's something that is good, then there must be something that is If there's something that is legitimate, there is also something that is ill-legitimate. And so this must mean that as Paul was traveling and as he was ministering, he came across disciples who were not legitimate disciples. They may have called themselves Christians and they may have called themselves a disciple, but they were not legitimate. And for some reason, he points out in this word that this young man, Timothy, was a legitimate disciple. And so we must understand as we begin this series that there are those who are illegitimate and there are those who are legitimate. And God has called each of us to be legitimate disciples. Gabriel, I get the point. I hope so. Because at the end of this series, I'm hoping at the end of this message that each of you become legit disciples. 
and that you'll pursue, first of all, just to be a disciple of somebody and to be mentored by somebody. Because there is something that God so desperately and passionately wants to do and will do in our city and that will not happen if there are not legit disciples. It will happen eventually, but it won't happen with us if us will not become legit disciples. Because the way that God moves his church forward and the way that God brings about revival is through people being legitimately discipled by somebody. Not through people doing what they want to do, what they feel like is right. How can I say that? Because that's what I see in the book of Acts as Paul goes from city to city, from town to town, and he makes disciples. And he pulls those out who are legitimate. And he says, you are legitimate. And I'm going to trade my life for you. Most historians and scholars believe that Timothy had a church about 35, of about 35,000 people in his church. And he went on to do far greater things than Paul did. Paul just laid a foundation and Timothy brought it further and further and changed the whole known Mediterranean world as they knew it. You want to do something for God? You want to be impactful? You want to actually make a difference? You got to be a disciple. And you can't just be any disciple. You have to be a legit disciple. And let me say this. There is only one disciple, and it's a legit disciple. Bueller. So what is a legit disciple? Acts chapter 16, verse 1, is the first time that Paul comes across Timothy since the, the, the first missionary journey. And this brings about, we find, the first attribute, the first quality, and the first characteristic of young Timothy that gives him the, that gives Paul the audacity to call him legit. And so we're going to look at that. Paul cuts him. Paul cuts Timothy. Gabriel, are you saying that I need to be cut? Yeah. Yes, in a way. I'm, I'm kind of saying not physically, obviously. But I am saying that, that there is an attribute and quality that Timothy has that every single one of us needs to possess. Paul insisted. It's really cold in here. <sighs> so I'm holding this thing to make my hands warmer because they're really cold. Paul insisted in the cutting and the circumcising of Timothy. I'm going to talk to the leaders here for a minute. There's a lot of awesome leaders in here. And after I'm done, I'm going to call you out by name and stone you. No, I'm just kidding. Call you out by name and what is he going to do to us? Uh, no, call you out by name and, and, and let everybody see you and so you can be known because you are the leaders and mentors and Pauls in this youth ministry. And there are more to come, many more. But I want to talk to the Pauls or to the leaders or to the mentors tonight. And if you consider yourself one, then be one. That's cool. One of the things that we are most passionate about, and probably our, I will say this, not probably, it is our vision statement 
in GM, that we are about making disciples. We are about building leaders. We are about resourcing and building a platform for leaders to be who they are called to be in this city and in this world. Jesus gave a commandment and a commission to his church, and that was go and make disciples. So our commission and our purpose and goal and mission statement is to make disciples. What is that? Those are leaders who are in love with Jesus, in love with people, and who are doing what God made them to do. Because each of you are not called to be a pastor, but each of you have a specific calling that God has given to you and granted you that you would walk in it with passion and with authority and with humility. That's our vision. We want to do that. We want to make as many disciples. We want to see hundreds of leaders. Thousands of people getting saved, might I add. But thousands of people getting saved won't happen if there's not hundreds of leaders and legit disciples. And so it starts right now in this room. And it starts tomorrow morning when you wake up. And it starts the way that you live every morning and every day by the way that you live your life. Are you going to be a legit disciple? Because there is something that will and must take place in Anchorage. Because God has a plan for Anchorage. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to do everything I can to see that that plan comes to pass. And my biggest passion is raising up leaders to be who they are called to be in this generation. But I can't do that, and we can't do that, if there are not legit disciples. So you might ask, Gabriel, why are you even teaching this series? I just gave you the answer because I want so much in my heart that there would be legit disciples, people who are humble and broken and trustworthy and faithful. Not just, not just faithful right now, but faithful when you're 28 years old. Not just faithful when you're 28, but faithful when you're 40. Not just faithful when you're 40 years old, but faithful when you're 80 years old, you're about to die, that you're still faithful. You're still a legit disciple. Not just for a season of your life, but that you would be a person who wholeheartedly trades their life and follows hard after Jesus for the rest of their remaining life. Gabriel, that's radical. No, it's reasonable. It's because... The God of the universe has sent his son in the form of a man to live a godly life that you could never live in and of yourself. And he bore your sin on a cross. And it, think about that. He bore your sin on the cross. The, the thing that separated you and kept you away from God. Jesus, who is God, became a man so that he could bear our sin. And then he hung on a cross and he purchased us that we would live in eternity with God. He died, he, bar- he was buried, he rose again, he ascended into heaven, and he sent his spirit to dwell on the inside of you. And we say that trading our life for him is radical? No, being a legit disciple is the only way to go. 
And if you're not a legit disciple, then you're an unreasonable, illogical, half-hearted, lukewarm person. Those standards that you guys have in that youth ministry are too high. No, your standards are too low. Why, why, why don't you just make everybody a leader? Because not everybody is a leader. And not everybody is a legit disciple. So you're saying that people that are leaders in this youth ministry are legit disciples? Yes. And if they weren't leaders... then they're not true and legit disciples. I'm right now looking, and we all as a leadership team are looking at, man, who is legit? Because we want to we bring you in, and we want to partner with you, and we want to help you become who you are called to be. We want to develop you and disciple you. But it's in, your, it's in your court. The ball is in your court. You have the opportunity to either sit back and don't do anything about it or stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I want to trade my life, and I want to be a legit disciple. This is exciting. Let's talk to the Pauls, to the, to the leaders, to the mentors. Paul insisted on cutting Timothy. What does that mean? We've been talking about that for a long time. What does it mean to cut? The idea is that Paul went out of his way to cut away and cut off that part of Timothy that shouldn't be there. So the idea of a mentor is one who comes into somebody else's life who is being discipled and they cut away or they challenge what shouldn't be there for the sake of what should be there. The mentor is someone who comes into that person's life and says, look, I see something in you that is hindering you from preaching and carrying this gospel further. It's hindering not only you and your influence, but it's hurting the gospel's message. Because if you call yourself a legit disciple, but yet you have this bad, horrible attitude and sinful ways, then you are hurting the integrity of the gospel. You're hurting the integrity of who Christ is. You're ruining and you're slapping Jesus in the face with your sinful behavior. And so Paul realizes this. He realizes that this is hurting Timothy's influence, and it's going to hurt the influence of the gospel. And so what does he do? He cuts him. He circumcises him. So what is a mentor called to do? I'm not saying that you pull him in the back room and you circumcise him. What I am saying, what I am saying, I know that there's so many different random thoughts going on tonight. I understand that because of the message and the, the scripture, but bear with me. What I am saying is that a mentor challenges what is for the sake of what should be a leader steps into somebody's life and says hey i see this here this is not okay i realize that there's some stuff that is a part of you that shouldn't be a part of you and i'm challenging that you would cut that off or actually let me help you with this But that doesn't mean that you as a leader are rude and a jerk. Don't be rude and don't be a jerk. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, speak the truth in love. As a leader, if you're going to challenge somebody, make sure your motives are right. Make sure you're doing it because you love them. And as you do it, do it with love. Speak the truth. Don't hold back. Speak the truth, but do it 
in love. There's too many times where leaders hurt disciples because leaders speak the truth in frustration, or they speak it in anger, they speak it in jealousy, they speak it in revenge. The Bible says speak the truth in love. And I encourage you as a leader, you think you're supposed to challenge somebody, you're right. You see something in somebody that, is that you are mentoring or leading, speak the truth, but do it in love. Do it with a heart of unconditional love, not to get something from them, but because you genuinely and authentically love them because you yourself are a legit disciple. And I add that if you are a leader and you're not being mentored or disciple, then you're not a legit disciple because there's only one legit disciple. And also, do it in the right time. If you're going to challenge somebody, make sure it's the right time. Make sure you're not just coming up, every time you meet with them, you're just challenging them and rebuking them and correcting them. You're going to discourage them. <laughs> They're not going to like you after a while. I wouldn't like you after a while. We need to be encouraged more. But the principle is this. If you're going to be a legit mentor, you have to be willing to challenge what is for the sake of what should be. You hear what I'm saying? If you're going to be a legit mentor, Gabriel, I, I feel like I'm called to be a mentor. Okay, well, first of all, you've got to fall in love with people. And secondly, you've got to be willing to challenge the things that are for the sake of what should be. Fourthly, to the leaders, the Bible says that Paul wanted to take him alone. Or sorry, take him along. Paul wanted to take him along, so he took him and cut him. Let me say this. Real mentorship and real leadership is somebody who comes into somebody's life and takes them along with them. The word implies that he wanted to take him on this journey. He didn't want to just pull him aside and cut him and leave him. He wanted to take him on this journey with him. It was a relationship. It was this pursuit of Paul thinking to himself, man, I love this guy. I want this guy. I want, I want to build a relationship with this dude because he's legit. So the motive is a relationship. The goal of mentoring, the goal of discipleship is relationship. Did you hear what I said? The goal and purpose, leaders, to, for mentorship and for discipleship is to have that relationship. A lot of ships in there. The purpose and goal, the intent, the reason for it is for you to have that relationship. But in the midst of that, there are times when you need to pull them aside and challenge them in love. Man, you know what? There are so many things that people see in your life and you're not being challenged and growing because of your pride. That's sad. Your pride is killing you. And you just need to get cut to help you from dying but you're afraid of the cut, so you just keep dying. Your pride is killing you. Your arrogance is destroying your integrity and your influence. And you will eventually just fall and give up because of your pride is keeping you from growing in God. Now I'm transitioning and speaking to the Timothys or Timothets. That's why I chose to call this a legit disciple because it's gender appropriate. It goes for both. The thing that I love about Tim, we're going to call him Tim. Tim and Paul. 
the thing that I love about little Tim, <laughs> little Kim, the thing I love about little Tim is that little Tim was willing. Think about that. The dude got cut. If there's anybody in here who tries to cut you, come tell me quick. And bring the instrument that they're using, and I will bring it on them. I'm just kidding. That's horrible. Delete that from podcast, man. That's bad. But seriously, if, if, if you've taken this too far, <clears throat> there's something wrong with you. Don't try cutting people. So if, if you're at a Kaladi Brothers coffee shop, and you're sitting across the table with that leader or Paul or Paulette, and they pull out a knife or machete, just start running. As I speak about this quality of willingness, this is not what I mean. All right, man, just cut me up, man. Just do it. No, I'm not saying that. I hope that's implied. I hope that we understand that. I hope that's okay. We there? I had to just say that just in case some parent comes to me and said, you, you're telling me that my kid needs to get cut? Look at him. All cut up and stuff. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I tried clarifying. <laughs> the little disciple looks up. You should see the other guy. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're morbid. <laughs> the legit disciple, Tim, was willing. Think about that. Tim didn't try to fight, did he? He just went back into the curtain. He probably screamed and yelled. He might have punched him in the face. I mean, I don't know. Not in, like, defensing mode, but just, ow, that hurt, bro. I'm, I'm mad at you right now, but I receive it. As a Timothy, as a Timothet, as a legit disciple, you have to be willing to be challenged. Gosh, this is so important. Could I say, or let me say, this is the most important attribute that you can have. And, and, I, don't, and I don't say that with, without really thinking about this. I have fully thought this through. And I would say that the greatest asset that a Timothy, the legit disciple, can have is humility. The greatest asset that you can possess, the greatest attribute that you can have, the greatest quality that you can have is humility. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, yeah, I'm nothing, you know. I'm just a nobody, you know. That's not humility. Humility looks a lot like this. When somebody comes to challenge you, whether it's somebody who's over you, somebody who's your age, or somebody who's below you, you're willing to receive it, and you shut up and receive it. And if that's not you, then you're not a legit disciple, and you need to produce this and have this come out of your life. Well, I'm just waiting for God to produce it in me. No, this is that one attribute that God tells you to produce. He says, humble yourself. Fruit of the Spirit is not humility. The fruit of the Spirit comes through humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. And as you do that, he works inside of you grace, which brings about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But humility is an asset that every one of us must have, possess, and walk in. 
Timothy was willing to be cut. Are you willing to be challenged tonight? Or are you defenseful? Well, I would if you challenged me. Well, would you if the person sitting next to you was going to challenge you? Well, they're not really that holy. Well, I don't care. Are you willing to be challenged? Do you care more about you becoming more like Christ or you being looking better than the person sitting next to you? Or the person that you think that you're way better than, or you're cooler than, or you're better, you're, you're further along in God than they are. What is that? that if that's your mentality, you're, you're further away from God than anybody. <laughs> Those are some strong statements. Yeah, I've thought them through, and I'm not messing around. I'm talking about you being willing. Tim was willing. Even if the mentor doesn't do it perfectly. Well, I would receive it, but you should have saw the way they challenged me. They didn't have a coffee cup. They had the ruler. And might I add, there was a knife on the end of it. Like this one's kind of like broken and like, (laughs) it's so creepy. No, dude. Even if they do it wrong, are you willing to be challenged? Now look, leaders, don't pull out a butter knife and try to cut them. Now, what I'm saying is it? could you imagine? I'm not even going to go there. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't care how they do it. Now, I do, and if they do it wrong, then I need to know about it. But you need to still receive. How doesn't really matter. The what you need to receive because truth is truth. And whether it comes in love does not up to you. You're supposed to receive the truth. That I'm talking about the attitude of a disciple. I'm not qualifying or justifying those who are leading to do it however they want because they will be held accountable for what they do. I'm talking about that person who's being discipled. Are you willing, no matter how they bring it across, even if they do it in front of a bunch of people, are you still willing to be challenged? Are you still willing to be critiqued? Are you still willing to be challenged? Because if you're not, then you're not legit. I don't care if they do it in front of your best friends. I don't care if they do it in front of your girlfriend. I don't care if they do it in front of everybody. That's wrong. They shouldn't do that. But even if they do, are you willing to receive it with humility? And say, wow, you're right. Is your heart broken? Psalm 51. King David sins with Bathsheba. Realizes that he sins, calls on God for his mercy. And in this letter, as he writes and prays to God, he says, A broken and a contrite heart, these, O God, you will not reject. You will not despise. This is what you want more than anything, is a heart that is broken and contrite before you. Gabriel, what is the greatest asset and attribute that I can have? It is a broken and a contrite heart. A heart that is humble. A heart that is willing to be challenged. A heart that is willing to be corrected. A heart that is willing to be critiqued. A heart that does not defend itself. If you defend yourself, you're not a legit disciple. But if you're defenseless, if you put down your defense, you shouldn't even have defenses in your life. Put away your sword. And be willing to be challenged and to be critiqued. First Peter 5, 5. I'm almost done here. I hope you have questions. Likewise, you younger people. <laughs> I love it when the Bible talks about younger people because it's like, that's me. Wow. 
Submit yourselves to your elders. Oh. All of you be submissive to one another. I like the elder part because I don't have to submit somebody to somebody who's younger or my age. No. Uh, submit yourself to your elders. All of you be submissive to one another. I don't care if they're older than you. I don't care if they're younger than you. I don't care if they're your age. Be submitted to one another. The Bible says. You with me? Then he says this amazing thing. He says, be clothed with humility for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God's grace is God's unearned, unmerited power and favor working in and through you. It is God's most precious and powerful resource for you to walk in him. And could I step aside for a moment and just say, grace is not just a resource, it's actually the person of Jesus working inside of you. So I think in the Bible when it speaks of grace, it should be capitalized because it's talking about the person of Jesus. Anyway. God's grace is only given to those who are humble. So therefore, if God's most powerful resource, person working in and through you, is offered to you, then I need to know how it's offered to me. And whatever I need to have to receive that thing, that must be my greatest asset. Right? So what is it? This got dizzy. What is it? He says, humble yourselves. For God gives grace to the humble. What does that word humble mean? Literally. It literally means, in the Greek, to make yourself low. That's what it literally means. That, that, that word, that scripture there can easily be translated this way. God raises those up who make themselves low. Uh, but, but, but those who raise themselves up, God will make them low. Gabriel, I want to grow. Cool. Make yourself low. And every time somebody challenges you, say, yes, Lord, I receive that. I receive that. I want, I want to receive that because if I do, I'm allowing God's grace to work in my heart and to make me the person that I'm called to be. But if I don't have that, if I don't walk in humility, then I'm rejecting God's grace. Humility is an aggressive pursuit. It's not a passive happenstance. It's an aggressive pursuit. You're not humble if you're not aggressively pursuing lowliness. You're not humble if you're not aggressively pursuing holiness. You're not a legit disciple if you're not aggressively pursuing holiness. I want to be a legit disciple. I want to be that. I don't want to just, just when it happens, I'm going to make myself low. Just, oh, well, here it comes. Okay, I'm just a weasel. <laughs> but, but, but at all times, at all costs, I'm looking to be broken and humble. I want to be like that. And we all are called to be like that. To make yourself low. That's not just by happenstance. That's an aggressive pursuit. That's not just passively happening. Make yourself low. Humble yourself. You have to do it. 
And you have to make it happen. You have to go to that person that you consider your mentor, the person that is discipling you, and say, look, this is who I am, and I'm expecting that you would challenge me. You want to know how to be a legit disciple? Go to somebody, not me. Now, if you're a leader, I'm, if you want to come to me, come to me. But you need, if you are a leader, you need to be going to somebody who is over you to be mentored and challenged by them and love them and build that relationship with them. But if you want to go, and if you're not a leader, you're like, I need to go to somebody, and, you're, and then what you need to do is go to them and say, hey, here, here this, uh, my name is young Timmy or Timette. Here's my number. Do you need anything else? Okay, cool. Uh, challenge me. Not totally like that. But in essence, telling them, look, I'm yours. Man, I'm about to define something that if we begin to follow and walk in, this city will never be the same. And it's going to challenge every single one of us here. Every one of us here is going to go, I don't really like that. Yeah, you shouldn't like it. Which is why you need to be more humble. And why I need to be more humble. Going to somebody and saying, hey, I am so-and-so. I want you to mentor me. Here's my phone number. So you can check up on me anytime you want. Oh, and by the way, here's my heart. I want you to challenge me anytime you feel. A legit disciple expects a challenge. A legit mentor Loves the heck out of them. And when necessary, they challenge them. When you get challenged as a disciple, it shouldn't throw you off guard. You should expect it. Because you're not going to them to just make some buddy. Yeah, I'm going to go make my buddy. You know, Hey, can I be your buddy? That's stupid. I'm not asking you to go make buddies. The leader, your leader, can make you a buddy. But your job as the legit disciple is to say, I'm here to be discipled by you. If you want to call me your friend, then you call me your friend. I'm not saying you worship them. I'm not saying you bow down and kiss their feet. I'm saying that you're expecting that they would lead you and disciple you and mentor you for for your greater good. And you would not expect this buddy-buddy relationship. Let's hold hands and be friends. That's weird, especially if you're guys. Don't do that. Is this making sense? Are you challenged a little bit? Are you frustrated at me? You can be. <clears throat> you know, as we get ready to close tonight, I, as I thought about this, <clears throat> there's so many <clears throat> ways <clears throat> I could have defined what a... <clears throat> sorry. As I've thought about this message tonight and thought about what I've been wanting to talk about, which is this has been in my heart for years now, because I want to be like this. And so I'm hoping that I, I can exemplify this to you in every way I can, even if you came and challenged me. I want to be that kind of guy. I really do. I'm not always that guy, but I want to be. I want to be legit. I really do. And as I thought about this, I could have lowered the standards any way I wanted because I'm the one speaking tonight. Guys, as I went to my Bible and I looked at what it means to be legitimate and what God's standard is of being discipled, I can't run from the fact of somebody who's willing to be cut and somebody who's willing to be critiqued and challenged. I can't hide from that. 
And so if you say, Gabriel, I want to be a legit disciple, I'm asking that you'd go to somebody, find somebody, and say, hey, I want to be challenged. I want you to lead me. I want you to mentor me. I want to become, I want to become a better person for God. And I know that the way he's ordained that and established that in my life is by some human being and him working through that human being. Look, God is your ultimate God. I'm not taking that from you. He is your Lord and God, but he's established people and humans on this earth to be representative for him to lead you and disciple you. A legit disciple is humble. 